as we anticipate the birth of Christ, uh, we are we we're celebrating the fact that He truly is God with us. The the theological term there is incarnation, meaning that God came in like human form. He could have come in any form he wanted to, yet he came in human form, Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you and for me. And he basically, one, uh, one translation of Scripture says that he moved into our neighborhood, that he came down to this earth to do life kind of like we do life here. So when we pray now, we're praying to a God with firsthand experience, like he's literally been here, done this. He gets what, it, what it's like to be a person, although he was a 100% person and a 100% God. Now, during this season, um, I want to encourage you to be inviting friends to come to church. It's always good to invite friends, but especially now, we focus on Jesus and who he is. It's an awesome opportunity to invite our friends. Um, As we said earlier, we've got invite cards, so grab one, grab ten, however many you need. The win is the invite, okay? Don't worry about, you're like, well, what if I invite and they don't come? That's okay. Invite somebody else. That's fine. Maybe it wasn't the right time for them. But the win is the invite. God calls us to, to put that out there and to trust that he's going to do what he's going to do with that. And that's going to be all right. So I encourage you to do that. As we talk about God with us, here's the verse from Matthew. It's kind of the backbone of this series. Let's read this one aloud together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God with us. Now, we tend to believe this pretty easily in the good times, right? When things are going good, when, when you just got a promotion at work, yeah, God is obviously with me. I'm blessed. That's great, right? Or something exciting like the birth of a new baby or grandchild. Yes, God is with us. We, we feel this. We experience this. We know it to be true. God's with us. Or, or other good things in life, right? Maybe you, you potty train the puppy. Yes, God must be with us. Or you potty train the toddler. Oh, God is with us, definitely. Or we potty train grandpa. Hey, God's with us then too, right? Uh, whatever it is, we experience God in these good times where we're happy and we're celebratory. But what about the difficult times? What about the valleys? We, we know God's with us on the mountaintops. We talked about in the la- that in the last, se- this last series. We know God's with us in the mountaintops, but what about the valleys? We enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. You need them both. I don't want them both. <laughs> I want to live here all the time, but I need both. And... Last night I was praying about this service, and I was praying for you, and I just felt led to pray that, that there may be people today that will be, le- be brought here by the power of the Holy Spirit who are in a deep valley right now. If you're here, I want you to know that we've been praying for you, and we believe very strongly that God has brought you here for a reason, that God wants to meet you here. And it's not through anything magical that I will say or we will sing. It's, it's His presence, His power. It's Him who wants to change your life. And I believe that we can encounter him, that when we seek him, that we will find him, whether we're seeking from the mountain or whether we're seeking for the valley. So we're praying for you, friend. You know, the valley is that time when that tragedy comes and it just like it steals away the joy that we've been having. Maybe a lot of things are going right in life, but, but then this 
The thing hits and it's hard and, and we're in this valley. It's like maybe your, your marriage is going great, but one of your kids is making dumb decisions. Like, oh, this just hurts, right? Or, or maybe you're, you're feeling close to the Lord in your, in your quiet times, but, but things at work are just really uncertain and scary right now. And, and it just is such a distraction. Or maybe you're so excited about this Christmas season and the chance to spend time with friends and relatives, but one of you has received a tough medical diagnosis. And it just feels like a cloud that's kind of over all of this this year. And you just, you know what this valley is. Where is God in the valley? Well, in the Bible, valleys could represent a few different things. Sometimes battles were done in valleys. And some of you right now, you may be doing just that. You may be fighting a spiritual battle down in the valley. And God is with you there. He meets you there. Uh, other times in the Bible, uh, valleys were times of growth for people, where they grew closer to God. They increased their dependence, their, their understanding of their dependence on God. Again, we enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we experience Him intimately in the valleys. Psalm 84 talks about people who are on a, a spiritual journey or a pilgrimage. And in verse 5, it says this. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They will go from strength to strength till each appears before our God in Zion. Now, we start off here with that Valley of Baca business. What does that even mean? Well, there's scholars debate a little bit about it. Um, there's a similar word in the original language for a type of tree that, that like, oozes uh, sap, right? You've seen some of those. They almost look like they're crying, right? And some people thought maybe it's, it's uh, like a valley of tears. It was sometimes referred to that as a valley of tears. Others think it refers to a place that was uh, in the wilderness. There was a very dry place. So when it says that they go through this place and they turn it into a valley of springs, it's this amazing contrast of what God can do in valleys, that he can take the dry place and, and, and he can bring good things out of that. Again, there's a few uh, possibilities there. Um, verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, O God, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. The, blessed are those whose strength is in you, as in our strength is something bigger than just ourselves. Now, now we like to think of ourselves as strong and capable, and we've got this, right? It's kind of part of our DNA as Americans, and it's not all bad, but, but sometimes we can get a little wrapped up in our, our own strength. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. It does not say, blessed are those who've got it all together on their own. Blessed are those who can just pull themselves up by their bootstraps every time and they don't need anybody else. Blessed are those who think they've got it all together and they don't need to listen to anybody else's advice because they already know everything. It's not what it says. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Have you ever felt a time in your life where you just didn't have the strength? where you realized that you did not have the strength to do it. I'll give you a real tangible example for me. Um, this may be surprising to you, but there was a time in my life where I did lift weights. I know you're like, yeah, right. But there was a time, okay, and I'll get back to that time. I'm saying it publicly now because I need badly to get back to this time. But, but, but I remember one time 
I was doing something, bench pressing, called a drop set. Some of you have done this before, I'm sure, where you start with your max, and you do that one time, and then they take off five pounds, and you do that as many times as you can, probably one, and then they take off five more pounds, and then maybe you can do that twice, right? And they take off five pounds, and you keep doing this, and every time you do the most you can possibly do. It's great fun, let me tell you. You hurt in ways you've never hurt before, right? And that day, Jennifer was with me, and she was my spotter, right? And so when you get down to about the end of this, you get to where you literally just have the 45-pound bar, right? And here you are, and you're trying to lift this as much as you can. And I'm a grown man here in this gym with other people around, and I can barely get the bar off of my chest, I'm sure there was somebody who walked in at that moment, had not having seen the previous stuff, and they're like, that's why pastors should not lift weights, right? Like, I'm sure, right? But I can remember that, that very last one, and I'm just pushing with all I've got. And she was a cheerleader in high school and college. She's like, you've got this. It's all you. You've got this. But I didn't have this. And she's pulling. I've never been so thankful my wife can lift 45 pounds plus the weight of my own arms, because I had nothing left in the tank, right? Some of you have been there in real life before. You know what it's like to have nothing in the tank, whether physically, emotionally, spiritually, where you are just gassed. And, and, and it's the Bible says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, O God who understand they don't have it all together. And friend, if you're here today and you're in a valley and you're exhausted because you've been trying to do it on your own, maybe God's word for you today is that you need to just give this thing to him, that you need to trust him like you've never trusted him before, that, that maybe he's, he's brought you to this place, he's allowed these things because he wants to teach you a new level of dependence, of reliance on him. Maybe this this time of weakness, through it, maybe God's going to make you stronger than you've ever been before in your life. Sometimes we go through those times, not that God causes every bad thing, but sometimes we go through those and he uses them to bring us to places of greater strength. Blessed are those who realize their need for God, that it is okay to depend on God and, it, and, and on others who God puts in our lives. Some of you are here today and you're, you're in a marriage that's really suffering right now and you're struggling. And yet you don't want to tell anybody because you've got this great image thing going on and everybody thinks you've got it together. And you're fearful because you're like, if we told people, they would think less of us. And so we don't tell anybody. We just, we stuff it all inside. And we'll fix this ourselves. How's that working out? Because usually it doesn't. Friends, we've got to have the humility to say, we need help. We don't have this. We need, first of all, God's help. And second of all, help from, there may be somebody who's on your mind right now that God has put in your life to help. Maybe it's a different kind of challenge. Maybe it's a challenge in your business. Maybe it's a, a relational challenge. Maybe it's a spiritual dryness, a distance from God, whatever it is, friends, don't let this week pass without seeking help. Don't let this day pass without reaching out and seeking help. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. There's going to be times 
where we get to the place in this journey where we know we don't have it and we know we need others. We've all been there. I've been there many times. I'll tell you about one today. It was not the most recent, but it was the, the first that I experienced that was really heavy as, as a pastor. I have a picture of a friend of mine. You can't really see it, but his name is Jeremy. I've had his picture since 2004 in my desk drawer. I'll have it till the day I retire, I'm sure. Jeremy was a student. He was a student leader in my first youth group there in Piqua. He was a sophomore, um, a student who me and others we loved very much. He would um, he was a great, he was a leader among other students. He volunteered in our nursery. Uh, kids would pile on him. He was like a big teddy bear kind of kid. Just just a, a great kid. And I um, remember one weekend, um, we just had, it was just Jennifer, Jacob, and I at that point. Jacob was just a few months old, and uh, Jennifer and Jacob had, had flown away to be with some relatives that weekend. So I had the place all to myself. I had a big, exciting weekend planned of bathroom remodeling, right? So I had just torn a bunch of stuff up that Friday night, and I was there, and, and the phone rang. And I can remember it all like it was yesterday. I answered the phone. I had my back toward, to a wall there in our house. And as I answered, the voice simply said, Jeremy's dead. I said, what? I said, Jeremy's dead. He came home after school today. He found dad's gun and shot himself. And I know some of you have been through this in your life. And, and, and what a terrible tragedy it is to lose someone like this. And... I've walked this with a number of families and friends. You need to understand that that people who make this choice that they're they're not bad people, that they're people who make that that one decision, that one wrong decision that is not reversible. I've made a lot of dumb decisions in my life, but they've all been reversible, and this is that one that is not. And and I remember just saying, "I'm so sorry." I'll be right there. And I hung up the phone and, and I drove to his house. And we, we grieved there together with his family as the investigators, the police were in and they were doing their work. And we, um, we prayed together and we mourned together. And we I remember driving home late, late that night. I didn't sleep much. The next day got up and traveled around the city meeting in different students' houses as we, we cried together and we prayed together. And I, I remember feeling so completely inadequate for what was needed. For here it was my job to lead this group through this tragedy when I felt so deeply close myself to it. And I can remember driving on Park Avenue there in Pequa, and I was driving from one student's house to another, and I remember just, just tears just welling up in my eyes. So as I had to pull over, I wasn't safe to drive. And I remember just just weeping and pounding the steering wheel and saying, where are you? Where are you? Why did you, why did he not call me? Why did he not call? We would have done anything. We would have done anything for this boy. 
And I would love to tell you that in those moments that an angel appeared and all was well. What I got was different, but it was exactly what I needed. I got this overwhelming sense of the peace of God right there. And it wasn't peace because everything was okay, for certainly things were not okay. But I learned through this whole experience what it means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. For I learned that I did not have what it takes, and I will never have what it takes. But my strength must come from Him. That His strength is perfect when my strength is gone. That when I have nothing, in reality, I may be in the best place I could possibly be. Because I'm stripped of my arrogance and my pride and my self-sufficiency, and I realize my total reliance on God, my Savior. And God walked with us. He walked through it with our youth group. He walked with that family. He walked with us through the first funeral that I ever done, and we got to share Jesus with 600 students from the high school. He walked with us as our, as our group would go forward and, and never be the same, and it would never be okay but God would grow us and he would change us through that time. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's desire. But God uses these times of valley. He uses them in powerful ways. And friends, you may be in a valley right now, maybe worse than what I went through. You're, and you have a decision as to whether or not you're going to put your focus on the Lord or whether you're going to put your focus on you, whether you're going to trust that He can see you through or whether you're going to expect that somehow you are going to do this on your own. And friends, I want you to know that God is with you and He wants to walk with you through this time, through this valley, through this trial. He's got you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never forsake you. It says in verse 6 that as they pass through the valley of Baca, that dry place, they make it a place of springs, that autumn rains cover it with pools. It's like, like when they're going through this dry place, what do they do? <laughs> they dig a well. They, like, they, 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 they dig a cistern because they believe that God is going to bring the rain someday. They, they know that God is faithful to his word. And so maybe you're there today and you're in a very dry place. And maybe the next thing you need to do is pray for God's strength and, and dig that well with others around you. To, to dig into that, to say, God, we need you. We need you to send the rain. We need you to, to, to bring up the water. We need you to bring new life into this situation where there seems that there is no life. We trust in you. Verse 7, we go from strength to strength in God. Not our strength, but in God's strength till each appears in Zion. You see, friends, we learn to praise God in the valley. We enjoy him on the mountaintop, but we get to know him really closely, and we praise him in those valleys because it's there that he reveals his character. It's there that he reveals how good and faithful he is. It's there that we learn a dependence on him that we never would have learned if we just lived up on the mountaintops. So some of you, you may feel weak today, but in the midst of your weakness, God is your strength. You may be in the dark, but the Bible says that it is, his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. You, you may feel a great pain, but he's your comforter. Let him wrap his loving arms around you. Let him hold you. He's got you. 
He's the creator of the world. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to suffer. He's been in your shoes, and he's got you. He is God with us. Psalm 23, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Here we are, God. Some of us are in that exact place today, and it took everything in our being to get here. For some of us, we're not even sure if life is worth living. And God, I pray that whether we came to this place from a dark, dark valley or from a tall, tall mountain, God, I pray that you would meet us here right now supernaturally by your power, by your strength. God, I pray that, that you would remind us that you are here, that you are real, that you are with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray that you would be our strength in this valley. We need you. Jesus, we remember how you yourself, you went through the valley. When you went into that garden that night, you asked your friends to pray for you and they fell asleep. But you prayed for us, Lord. You were there to give your life for us. It was hard. You prayed asking if this cup could be taken, that it would, but not your will, but that it would be the Father's will. So, Jesus, we find our strength in you, the one who knows what a dark place is like, the one who knows what a valley is like, the one who knows what it is like to be broken and poured out. Thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken so that ours could be healed, that your blood was shed, that our sins could be forgiven. Thank you for this holy meal, God this sacrament that you have given to us. I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice. May they be for us the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us that we, having partaken in this meal, that we would go out from this place, that we would be one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world till you return, till you come back in victory, God, till you make all the wrongs right, till you heal all the brokenness, God. Make us one. Make us one in you this day. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' holy name.